0: Fear rules our behavior as salespeople. Fear is the strongest emotion. And if I call you on the phone, you might reject me into my ear, into my head. And that's a personal, intimate rejection. And I will do anything I can as a salesperson to avoid that from you, including picking up the phone. Because if I do so, Andy, I risk you saying no to me. And that is almost akin to death. (laughs) That's how terrible a fear it is. Hi,
1: friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Alex Goldfame. Alex is CEO of the Revenue Growth Consultancy and author of the new book titled Pick Up the Phone and Sell. How Proactive Calls to Customers and Prospects Can Double Your Sales. And in our conversation today, Alex makes the argument that the entire sales profession has moved away from what so many used to excel at in the past, which is making proactive phone calls to customers and to prospects. Now, in this case, the proactive calls, phone call is defined by Alex as calling customers and prospects when nothing is wrong. And we dig into whether sellers are moving away from the phone or is it more about how the phone is being used today? So, we dig into how sellers are using proactive calling to drive revenue growth by being present, by being interested, and by demonstrating that they care. So, we get into all of this and much, much more. But before we get to Alex, I want you to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also leave us a review, give us your feedback about how we're doing. So, thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Alex, welcome to the show.
0: Andy, thank you for having me. I sure appreciate it.
1: Yeah, well, no, I'm glad to have you. It's, it's, uh, we've been trying to do this for a while, so glad we're finally able to make it happen. And um, so people maybe who aren't familiar with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and,
0: and the work that you do. Sure. So I run a revenue growth consulting practice, and I work uh, with business-to-business companies who average 15 to 30% sales growth Uh, by applying the things that, uh, we're going to talk about today and individual salespeople. and I know there's a lot listening to us, uh, often grow their sales by 50%, often double their sales, uh, by implementing these actions, these proactive communications, these proactive phone calls that we're going to talk about today. So, I mean, those,
1: those are, those are big numbers, Yes, sir. Um, So I imagine some people may be saying, "Okay, well, huh? How do you do
0: that?" I actually the the numbers, the average keeps going up because one client after another keeps exceeding the place where I put the 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 minimum and the maximum. But I used to say ten to twenty percent, and now in the last uh, seven or eight months, I've upped it to fifteen to thirty percent.
1: So what are these companies not doing? maybe as a way to start the conversation. Because it sounds like there's just some obvious things they must be overlooking if they're able to experience that level of, of growth.
0: Yeah, that's a good sort of um, hypothesis, and I think it's accurate, Andy. Um, I think the obvious thing is uh, most sales organizations operate totally reactively. Uh, meaning, uh, the phone rings a lot, and on uh, the phone our customers who need something urgently or uh, have a problem right customers never call to say hey Andy great job man that was awesome can I pay you more for that good work very rarely that's correct we, we <laughs> only pick up the phone as customers when we need something it's urgent enough for me to call you right Now, including prospects in that as well? Sure. Whoever calls on the phone has Mm -hmm. something urgent for you to either react to or resolve. Either you've screwed it up or they need it yesterday. And Mm -hmm. either way, here's a hoop. You got to jump through it. Either way. And you have to because we're in the customer service business. We have to jump. So the problem with that is that's how we spend our whole day. All day long, these calls keep coming in. And this is, you know, if, if it's a B2B organization, it's pretty much this way. Uh, we spend our, all of our time sort of dealing with these reactive, um, urgent, intense, often negative interactions because that's what comes in. If it's coming from a customer, right? You're saying if, if the premise is right that they only call when they have an issue, then yes. Generally, right? Yeah. And so the problem is that that's only about 10 to 20% of most of these companies customers. The other 80 to 90%, they're good. They're not calling. They don't have a problem. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's urgent enough to pick up the phone to call you. They're placing their orders, you know. They're emailing in their orders, they're going through whatever system uh, the, the orders are placed and they're on autopilot. And they don't call us because nothing's wrong or urgent and we don't call them because we're busy with the ones who are calling. And so these people are sort of house accounts by default, which is almost tragic because, uh, they're the best ones. They're the ones who require the Mm -hmm. least amount of time. You know, they're the most profitable customers who, who need the least of you, who take the least of your time, the most profitable ones. And we talk to them the least. And so It's a very long winded setup to answer your question, Andy. The answer is the thing most companies aren't doing is they're not really proactively communicating with those happy 80 to 90%. And that's what we start doing.
1: Right. Of current customers. Yeah, of existing customers, what you're talking about.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Which, yeah, is absolutely true, I believe. And yeah, I had a a guest on the show uh, a few weeks ago named Donna Weber, who's sort of customer onboarding expert. And yeah, I mean, she basically states up front in her book is you know, she gets into why so many companies just basically ignore their customers.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that anybody goes into it intending to ignore customers, you know. I think it's just something that happens organically and it sort of happens to us, you know. Because it's not like salespeople are sitting around doing nothing, waiting doing nothing, for the right? phone to ring. The phone's ringing all day long, but that's reactive work. And so I call that a, a reactive selling vicious cycle. And so, uh, uh, you know, the thing we begin to do when I work with these organizations and the thing that tens of thousands of salespeople that have been through my programs have started, you know, start to do. Is they start talking to the happy ones, to the 80 to 90%. These accounts who are uh, on autopilot, we go to them and we say, Andy, it's Alex. How you doing, man? I was thinking about you. How's your family? And what are you working on these days that I can help you with? Because I'd like to help. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one example. And then there's many different examples we could talk about. And yeah. we get into the details like voicemails and text and what do we do and what are the mechanics. But the big picture is... We start talking to people who don't hear from us very much. And we do it in system, which means if you have ten salespeople and they can give us three calls a day, that's thirty. And then a week that's hundred and fifty. And in a month that's six hundred. And then a year, I think, that's seventy two what is that? Seventy two seventy two hundred. Right. Seventy two thousand. Something like that. Seventy two hundred. Um well, seventy two hundred. Yeah. So
1: so and just so people know, I mean, you've got a new book out called Pick Up the Phone and Sell, How Proactive Calls to Customers and Prospects Can Double Your Sales. And and so you write in there that that just sort of framing this, this discussion, you, you say that over the last few internet decades, you call them, that the entire sales profession has moved away from what so many used to excel at, proactive phone calls to customers and
0: prospects. Yeah. So why do you think that's the case? Uh, I think it's because fear rules our behavior as salespeople. Fear is the strongest emotion. And if I call you on the phone, you might reject me into my ear, into my head. And that's a personal, intimate rejection. Mm -hmm. And I will do anything I can as a salesperson to avoid that from you, including... Picking up the phone. Because if I do so, Andy, I risk you saying no to me. And that is almost akin to death. (laughs) That's (laughs) how terrible a fear it is. Now, the problem with that is we are in the rejection profession. You know, in baseball, you go to the Hall of Fame if you fail 70% of the time. In sales, it's more than that. You know, if you succeed 10 or 15% of the time, you're kind of one of the best usually in sales, in B2B sales. So we don't go to the phone because we are afraid of the no that we are very likely to receive if we go to the no. And the thing about that is every no, actually, we need to get the no's because if we don't get the no's, we'll never get to the yeses. We have to get the no's. And if we avoid the no's, then we don't ever get to the yeses. And that's kind of how it goes. Well, a question for you is is so... Yeah, I mean <laughs> I think there's certain industries
1: where this is the case. But if you look at um I don't know, you look at the SaaS world, I mean, you can make the argument there have never been as many sellers as there are today making proactive outbound phone calls because of the whole you know, sales development model and so on. But yeah, you know, I think there's something then speaks to sort of the quality of those calls, which I think you you talked about in the book.
0: So Yeah, I mean, a lot of it has to do with how the phone's being used. Uh, There's a reviewer on on Amazon from my book who wrote something I've never thought of before. They said, if the phone was invented after email, we would all think of it as a technological miracle, and we would be flocking to it. That's interesting. You mean somebody can hear my voice? Instead of just read my my words mm-hmm. on the screen, mm-hmm. you mean That's I can go? You mean point. there's only one voicemail box, and I can get into it? There's no spam folders on voicemail. That's amazing. But because email came after the phone, and when I send an email, what usually happens when we send an email in the sales process? What's the answer that we get back when we send an email in a sales effort? None. None, that's right. <laughs> right. And so when I send an email on a sale, it's probable that I'm not going to get rejected. I'm going to get silence. You know, you get nothing, you get silence. And so if I get silence, Andy, I'm still alive, right? I'm still alive. Yeah. You're probably not alive, but in your, mind, in your mind, you're still alive, right? You know, we, we convoluted to think I haven't been rejected yet. I'm no not news, dead yet. No news is good news. So you know, yes, we have to use, you know, your question said, there's probably, it's, it's probably about what happens on the phone. Yeah, probably. And, you know, if we can, if you're a salesperson right now listening to this, and you can figure out how to make three proactive phone calls a day, which will take you five minutes in the mornings, because you're going to leave a message, probably. And then you're going to send a text to follow that up. And I laid this out in the book. But if you can do that, Three calls a day is 780 in a year. If you can do that, you're going to kind of instantly be in the top 10% of all salespeople. Like, tomorrow.
1: Well, take people through the math of that. Because you're making assumptions about how, how, how many people respond at one point to one of your outreaches. So, so walk right. through that.
0: Right. So, we know, we, we know the statistics, right? Um, and thanks for, for lobbing that up for me. Um, so, we know that and this is over millions of phone calls sales call proactive calls like we're talking about here logged because in my projects uh we we log them all into a system and then we can go back and look at the statistics of it Mm -hmm. and so over millions of calls logged you know over 15 years or so of implementing these projects for clients we know that if you leave a voicemail with the kind of scripts, and we could talk about them here, but with the kind of scripts that are in the book, you know, or that we can demonstrate here later. Well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. And then you send a text to follow that up. When? Right away. Immediately. Okay. Immediately. I leave a voicemail. Let's just go through it. I leave, and then we'll come back to the numbers. Uh, Andy, it's Alex. I was just thinking about you because I have a client similar to you, and they're doing some really interesting things and growing a lot, growing quickly. And I think some of the same things would work well for you. It made me think of it. So here's my number. I'd like to tell you about it because I think you could do it too. Uh, and then of course I want to catch up. And then I hang up the phone, and that's like a 18 or 19 second voice. And and
1: again, so people understand, the presumption is through throughout your book is that no one's going to answer. This is going to be a voicemail.
0: Well. No, I think I I lay out plenty of sample conversations, but that was in the book. I think there's plenty of scripts and plenty Mm -hmm. of conversations laid out. But in that particular example, uh, that was a voicemail. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just to be clear. Okay. Because, you know, we could probably safely assume that, you know, three out of four or four out of five phone calls will go to voicemail. Even if you know the person, even if you and I are buddies and we know each other, the odds of you picking up the phone are pretty low at the moment that I call.
1: Probably at the same odds as my kids picking up the phone when I call them. Yes. <laughs>
0: and then I'm going to leave that message and, you know, keep the phone in my hand to go to the text. And I'm going to say, Andy, per my VM, per my voicemail, how's your Tuesday at two or Wednesday at eight to connect? And that's it. And I send it. And so statistically, we know that two out of three people will communicate back to that. They'll respond. And we also know statistically that two out of three of those are going to text you back instead of call you back. They're going to text you back. Okay, so two of the two out of three are they're actually going to text back. Okay, go ahead. So two thirds will communicate back to me. Mm-hmm. So if I make three calls, I'm going to hear back from two on average All right. over the course of you know weeks or months. Right. And two thirds of those are going to text me back. One third will call. Two thirds will text. And so ironically, proactive phone calls like that, they actually fill your calendar with scheduled phone calls or Zoom meetings, mm. you know, where where you're expected to the other person shows up and you show up and and then you talk like we're doing now. So so that's what we do. And you know, three calls, you said take them through the math. Three calls a day, 780 in a year. Um things slow down, and I and I run my whole business on three calls a day, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, my entire practice, I run a solo consulting practice in the book too. Uh, it's a $3 million business. I run it on three calls a day, mm-hmm. um, in the morning, right. first thing, cause then I feel like I've worked out. I feel happy, <laughs> you know, I feel strong. Um, and it is literally, it's five minutes. That's the average amount of time it takes me to do this. Now, when things got slow during COVID, I up to five phone calls a day. So instead of five minutes, I, you know, went all the way to eight or so minutes in my day and i made my calls and five calls a day is 1300 in a year and you know i only need one project a month so so figure if i on the three calls a day that's 780 Mm -hmm. um 520 or so is two-thirds of that that's how Mm -hmm. many communications i get what what do i need that's way more than i need but i feel bad making any less than three so i make them Well, so so let me ask you a question because this again is a lot of people
1: listening to this are in the SaaS world. You know, we have platoons of SDRs that are cranking out you know fifty dials a day. What's what's the advice for them? I mean, is it, gosh, yeah, that the sellers, the AEs, should be doing their own prospecting on top of what the SDRs are doing? If this, if the AEs are just making their three calls a day, they're going to harvest enough pipeline opportunity to.
0: And sure, they've got more than enough to hit their number. So my process and, and the book, Pick Up the Phone and Sell, assumes uh, that, we're, th- that the three calls I'm talking about are the five uh, are to people who you know, as opposed to cold calls. Okay. Now, when right. you say 50 a day, I'm going to assume that most of those are to strangers. Is that a correct assumption? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think, and this is an interesting sort of thing that happens. So when I say, you know, make proactive phone calls, salespeople say to me, I don't like cold calling. And then I say back to them, I'm not saying cold calling. (laughs) I'm saying call people who you know. Because if you've been in sales for any amount of years, even if it's like one or two, you know, probably hundreds of people. At least, and let me tell you how this breaks down. How how you sure, know sure. How, how we can know hundreds of people. Uh, obviously, the warmest people there are people who you you know you've talked to, people you have a relationship right. with, right? Right. Yes. Buddies. Um, then one step back is uh, people who you haven't talked to yet, uh, but they know your name and you know their name somehow. And then one step back from that is it's people who would recognize your company name. So
1: the second tier that you talk about could be people you've connected with on LinkedIn. Yeah, it that could you be. You've established a conversation with on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, yeah. All we need is for the person we're calling to, to recognize who we are or what company we're calling from when we're calling. Mm-hmm. So that it's not a cold, cold, ice cold call. You know, we just need some sort of anchor that they say, oh, company X, Y, Z. Yeah, that's who it is. And then when you leave a message like the one that I ran through, which is, listen, I've got a customer similar to you and they're doing something with us that I think would work really well for you. And I'd like to tell you about it because I think you can do it without me, frankly, um, or without us, but I think you can apply and I'd like to run you through it. Because uh, I think you'll find it interesting and it would work well for you. Um, I would return that call. And, and you know, so do tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of my clients' you know, targets every year. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's how it goes. And so I think the key is that it's to people who you know, not strangers.
1: Right. So, but let's look at this from a perspective of a you know, relatively new seller for you know, the first couple of years of the career – yeah, don't know anybody. What steps should they be taking to get to that point you're describing?
0: Well, so in the book, and, and now with you, I acknowledge that some people have to cold call. I understand, right? Some, mm-hmm. some salespeople have to cold call. That said, and the book gives a process for that. That said... I think a lot more salespeople go to cold calling by default before they exhaust their options of people who either that they know or at least who would recognize them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we default to cold calling because we don't put the time or the thought and the planning that, that, it, that it takes. Right. I to call people who we know because we don't, you know, there's nothing in our lives really, Andy, that tells us who, you know, the lists of people who we know that we could call about this opportunity. Let's say we have a lot of lists of names in our lives. We have emails and text messages and even CRMs, but none of those lists or resources tell us who we should call, who would recognize us this day or this week. Mm-hmm. And that takes five minutes of proactive, sort of quiet thinking to make a nice list. And I've got planners in the book. Yep, You can even categorize it if you want to. You know, and I'll give you some examples. Customers who nobody here has talked to in six months or more. It doesn't have to be, you know, we could say my you know, your customers, listeners, sure. customers. Or it can just be sort of house accounts that nobody's talked to in six months or more. Another person is customers who used to buy from us as a company, Mm -hmm. but stopped. They've gone away. It's really hard to make a list of customers who used to buy, but stopped. They're not calling us. We're not calling them. They're not in our minds. They're not listed anywhere. You know, nobody calls to break up. They just kind of go away. They drift away. And it takes a little planning to lay out a list of who to call. And so I think go there first. I mm-hmm. think there's so much money and so much sales success to be had in people who you know, or that tier two as you put it, people who would recognize you or your company's name. It's all we need.
1: Yeah, I think that that and I I agree. I mean, I think it's it's a great process to serve. To be intentional with, which is is problematic sometimes in sales today, is uh, you know certainly again in certain certain industries, the sellers as opposed to the the lead gen and meeting setters, um, oftentimes they're not asked to prospect, and which is <laughs> I've had conversations with you know AEs at SaaS companies that are like you know, the, the company is expecting me to go out and prospect. Can you believe it? It's like, yeah. <laughs> and what I like what you've written is you just, you say, hey, here's a process. It's three to five calls a day. Who can't make three to five calls a day? Who can't put in the work to be, that's required to identify who you should be calling? Um, it, yeah, it makes it very simple.
0: The other day I was speaking in san diego on a stage i've i've now probably done i think i've probably reached like double digits in in live speeches in a room mm-hmm. and it, like in the last four months three three four months i'd say i'm probably up to a dozen or so talks and i just got back from vegas and i did one just uh, yesterday i was speaking at a convention and some so this talk in san diego a couple of weeks ago we were talking about making phone calls and it was a great room and it was, you know, energetic and enthusiastic mm-hmm. and, and I'm standing there on the stage and I'm like, and I sort of had this like moment where I was observing myself and the audience sort of as like this weird sort of moment. Out of body and experience. Yeah. Sort of. And I said, and it's never happened before. And I said, I got to just stop my talk. And I said, I can't even believe as I stand here that I run a business and you all pay to come here and listen to me speak. About using the phone. You using the phone. Make some calls, right? And it sounds, it sounds so absurdly simple, right? (laughs) Beyond simple, because it is. Mm -hmm. It is so absurdly simple. That's why people start doubling their sales. Like tomorrow, you can start. You today, you're listening to this. Literally, you can start doubling your sales now. Like push the pause button, make a call now. And that's why it works because it's so simple. I had a guy today. So this, this uh, association called me uh, and, and they said, Alec, we, we were thinking about having you come and present this as, as a keynote at our, at our event. And so we talked for half an hour with the executive director and her programs person. And then they said, we're going to run it by our chairman of the convention. They have a chairman who runs the convention. I guess they change every time. And so they talked to that guy, and then she came back to me today, the executive director. And she said, we're going to go another direction because the chairman thinks it's too simple for our audience. It's too simplistic. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me?
1: Oh, no, no. And I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because, yeah, I... <laughs> I believe that the the keys to success in sales are very simple. And uh, we spend and there's whole industries devoted to making it more complex than it's supposed to be. Because that's how they make their living. But
0: yeah, it's very simple. You know, if it wasn't very simple, and you know this as well as I do, they they just it would be another reason not to do it. It would be a reason to avoid it. Because they're so busy. It can't be
1: complicated. Well, I like to say is the proof that sales is simple is that there are so many people who claim they're experts at it, Uh, right? If so many people are experts at it, that's got to be pretty, pretty simple.
0: You know, we go through an exercise because we, when I do these talks and these speeches, I, I ask, you know, people, Again, to get past this, it's how how is it so? How is it really? Same as your first question. How is it really so simple to grow your sales like this? Um, so, and often it's executives or or you know heads of sales or owners or mm-hmm. top executives in, in the audience. And I say, think about the last time. Can you remember? And I'll ask you the question now, Andy. Can you remember the last time you got a proactive call from somebody who you know on your phone who? Uh, who, who's a relationship of yours, who sells mm-hmm. to you, who you buy from, somebody you buy from, somebody who sells a service or a product that you buy. Um, and they said to you, like we've already practiced or demonstrated mm-hmm. here, Andy, it's Alex. I was thinking about you. How you doing? How's your family? And you know me, so I'm asking you. I really sure. want to know how your family's doing. Sure. And, and then I say, uh, listen, man, what are you working on these days that I can help you with? Because I'd like to help. Can you remember the last time you got a call like that? No, because I never have. (laughs) Now, I got one a year ago. And so that's... So the the reaction is either what you just said. Most people say, no, I can't remember. Right? And then I say, but look, you run the company. You're the owner or you're the top executives. And so if somebody wants to sell to you, they need to talk to you. Not Hmm? the people who work for you. You're the one who signs the check. If I want to sell to you, I got to come to you. And you haven't... You can't remember the... You said it's never happened. (laughs) Now... I got one a year ago and I remember where I was because it's like a world event. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I remember exactly where I was and I remember who called me a year ago and I remember how long we talked. We talked for about 12 minutes. I remember this. Okay. I remember I was, uh, I was holding my phone. I was so excited. Somebody called me like this, who I knew, which is like exactly what I do right in my work. And you would think people who consume all my stuff, at least they, they would call me once in a while. They don't. And I remember I was pacing up and down my office here and I was holding a baseball bat and I was so excited. And this was a year ago. And I remember exact, I remember what the guy's voice sounds like Andy. And, and, you know, and then, you know, try remembering all the emails I got that day, a year (laughs) ago, try remembering the emails I got last month, uh, you know, like one month ago or last week, or try telling me all the emails you got yesterday. You can't. No, you can't right, do it.
1: You, you have a great line in the book. You said, if you want to be utterly forgettable, send emails instead of making
0: calls. And, so, and then the flip side of that is if you want to be totally singular, if you want to be the only person in your prospect's life who, picked up the, who showed up and was present and was interested and cared and gave a damn, that's how you'll be perceived, pick up the phone and call them. But if you want to be instantly forgotten, and not even a thought in your prospect's head, send the email. Yeah, so let's in the the
1: few minutes we have left, is let's let's talk about because I think people that are making calls on prospects would be interested in your take on sort of okay, great script for people that you know that we've run through. So your script for people you don't know, or I guess maybe have some recognition of you, your tier two and tier three. Mm-hmm. What? How do you avoid being pitchy?
0: You look for things you have in common. And you talk about those things. And I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. For the last year and a half to two years, we've all been living through the same crisis. Yes. And I can talk to a stranger who I've never met before. We can talk about that for an hour. I think you know we, oh, yeah.
1: we so could if talk. I, if you can't find common ground based on what's happened the last year and a half, yes, two
0: years, you're not human. Yes, go ahead. How have you gotten through? Has everybody been healthy? Has anybody caught it? What about school for the kids? Exactly. Have you traveled anywhere? Right. Have you been going into the office? How was it? going from the office to home well what about going back to the office what's that like um i mean you know vacation and travel and hobbies and we literally for an hour we could talk about this because there's so many layers to this and it's such a shared experience exactly. and it's permanent you exactly. know it's a permanent shared experience i was at this convention yesterday and these people are so excited i was just observing they're so excited to be together you know and there's yeah. this this energy that didn't used to exist in uh, previously, and you know what I think, Andy? I think that's permanent. I don't think that's going to go away. The excitement I think, of getting back together. I think that we're so we we've experienced isolation now as a as a population, you know, mm-hmm. as a as a race right. of of humans, and th- there is this gratitude and this intensity of appreciation for being together. And similarly, I think that that experience that we shared. Uh, over the last year and a half to two years is also one that's permanently seared into our minds. And I think we can talk about elements of that forever going forward. So you look for things you have in common and you talk about them. Now, it doesn't have to be COVID. It could be somebody you both know, but you gotta do that work to figure it out. It could be a supplier who you share, or a customer you both might know, or somebody who's given you a referral, and mm-hmm. only if it has to be, and you have nothing else left, you can go to LinkedIn and you can say, "I notice we have these people in common," but I don't even like that because that's what everybody tries to do. Right, and rarely works. But yeah, I think you could be better than that. I don't think it's hard to be better
1: than that. No, I, to your point is is you'll find other things if you put in the work, but at <laughs> at a minimum. There's this life-changing, world-changing event we've all lived through. If you can't connect with someone on the basis of that, yeah, that's that's problematic.
0: Yeah, agree.
1: And so then, how do you having made that connection? Then let's take it a step further. Then for yeah. sorry, a step further. A Step further to get into the business side. So how do you
0: transition from that into the business? Yeah, well, you pivot. So so you that's the opening, right? So there's three. Three steps to these conversations. There's three parts. One, we open it and we connect on something personally. I was thinking about you. How are you? How's your family? How's COVID? How's and anything, any connection that you have.
1: And be, and before you before you go on though, I just want to jump in. Is is yeah? There's this whole school of uh, folks in sales these days that say you know that type of small talk is something you know your prospects just don't have time for, which I disagree with. But I'm just interested in your take.
0: Well my take is kind of twofold one because we uh i I, i'm so uh consistently harping on call people who you know you know and if we know each other even a little bit i want to know how you're doing you know that's an honest interest of mine right i'm not going to avoid that because some sales guru in air quotes told me i shouldn't do that you know i want to know how you're doing get out of here sales guru Right, absolutely. Um, now, even if I don't know you, I'm kind of interested how our you know connection might be. Or do we click? Do are we going to work well together? Do we like each other? Mm-hmm. Um, h- how's the fit? And if it's just business talk, right? Which everybody dives into. I, see, I think that. The salespeople who dive directly into business and avoid any sort of, you know, human interaction. <laughs> right. right. I just think that that's a that's a lack of confidence. That's a meekness. You know that that's a discomfort for um, sort of you know planting your feet and and working on a relationship. Um, especially if the call has been scheduled and set up. You know, if you're showing up proactively, I would do that very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's a cold call. All of these things become much... Everything becomes harder. Life becomes harder when it's a cold call. It's Great. just a really hard way to live. And so that's why I think you've got to use every possible resource that you have to uh, go to people who you know or can recognize you.
1: Yeah. No. I, and I think to your point about <laughs> why people sort of avoid the the human connection thing, I think part of it too is... is yeah you know, there's such a barrage of of information coming at them that's saying as I said before is yeah you know, don't dwell on that don't do that people don't have time for that but what happens is they've stopped trusting their own sort of human instincts about well how do you connect with another human being right take it outside the work environment if you were meeting somebody for the first time, what would you do right in a social setting would you just jump right into talking about business or you'd You'd be interested in finding some sort of common ground, if there's a fit for a further conversation, whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. You touched on something uh, a few minutes ago, and it made me think of this line because I think you were you were kind of going here. Uh, it's not for, for us salespeople. This is not a difficult crowd to stand out in. You know, it's not hard to be better than the competition. Who's not showing up? who are not mm-hmm. present, who are totally reactive, who aren't interested, you know, and they, and the, you know, but the, it, it appears that they are not interested. Here's the tragedy of the whole thing. Customers want to hear from us. Customers want to know you care. Customers want you to reach out and ask them how you can help them because nobody does that. We don't do it because we're afraid of bothering them, of annoying them, of being, you know, seeming needy, of being one of the thousands of calls that they get, and none of that is true. And so because we don't want to bug them and we have a fear of annoying them and of losing them and of making them mad, we don't call them. But they don't perceive it that way. They don't perceive us not calling them as sort of being sensitive to their, um, I don't know, time. You know how they perceive their salesperson not calling them? They perceive that person as not caring enough to call them. They perceive that person as, as not putting in the time and the effort to check in on them and, and to ask them what else they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to be careful and they're perceiving it as we don't care. And so if you just show up, literally, if, if you just, if we boil it all away, if you're present to your customers and prospects in system consistently, so that's why three calls a day, mm-hmm. They will literally look for ways to thank you with their money. They will stretch for ways to give you business stretch even business. They don't necessarily need at the time. You know, I I can't tell you how many customers of my clients have told them, well, geez, we don't really need it, but we take it from you because you're just so helpful to us. You're just there. You know, people buy stuff
1: they don't need. Sometimes, but I think you're hoping that at a minimum, is, by being present, is that you are, but then become top of mind when the need becomes urgent.
0: Yeah, and that's an important point. Because it doesn't matter if they need it at right. the moment that you call.
1: And I think right? that, that, yeah, is, is when the approach on the call is always about today, as opposed to and you know, what you could what can the buyer do for me today, yeah. as opposed to how can I help you? That's right. Then yeah, you're never you're not gonna go back to them a second time. You're not gonna go back to them in a month or three yeah. months. And and when they do have a need, because I I believe, and I know I'm somewhat of a minority in this, is that even though there's all these studies out that that purport to show that B2B buyers don't really want to talk to sellers, I believe they do want to talk to sellers who can help them? Right? They don't want to talk to sellers; that are just going to waste their time. that are just completely
0: me centric. Yeah, I don't think that's an opinion or a, or a research. That that's not a study sort of matter. That's a fact. <laughs> well, right, and so that's a fact.
1: Well, but people see those studies and they go, "Oh, well, yeah." You know, sort of an excuse for why I shouldn't be proactively outreaching or whatever. It's like, no, no. Yeah, you know, when a customer's talking
0: to you, they're talking to you because they need your help. And I, I think, go ahead. Sorry Andy I, I think it's a really important point for us we kind of just touched on it but I think it's important for people to sort of grasp that you know the odds of the customer having an itch at the time that you show up to scratch are very low. Yes uh, that the timing fits exactly at that moment that you show up and call. Yeah I think there's
1: one study sort of saying it's like 2 to 5% of the time maybe you, you call a customer who's quote
0: unquote in market when you that's call. That's interesting. Yeah. I haven't heard that that's a cool that's that's a neat statistic. Now, the key is to keep showing up. Exactly. And, and what you're doing is you're taking timing off the table. Then. And instead of hoping that the timing is precise in that 2% to 5% of the time, what you're doing is taking a back scratcher. And the back scratcher says, Andy Paul on it, or your <laughs> name on it, or your company name. Right. And you place it onto their desk. You place the, hands, uh, the back scratcher onto their desk. And when the customer uh, develops a need, when it starts to itch, they look at their desk and they say, Who's the only one that's placed the back scratcher here? Who's mm-hmm. the only one that's been showing up regularly and consistently? And they pick it up and they scratch. And so when you show up systematically over time, you take timing off the table. And when they have a need, they will call you. They pick up the phone and they go to the one who is present. And so again, ironically, proactive calls out fill your calendar with scheduled calls and further they dramatically increase the number of phone calls coming into you because you are the one that people think of because you're the only one who's been trying.
1: Love it. No, absolutely agree. All right. We're going to end there because that's, that was a great ending point. You summed it up well. So, um, people want to learn more about you and what you do. How can they do that?
0: Well, they can go to my website, which is my last name, goldfane.com goldfane.com. If you'd like to read the book, Uh, It's called Pick Up the Phone and Sell. Uh, It's my second pandemic book. The one before that was called Five Minute Selling. You can buy all of my books. I've got six of them. The last three, each of the last three uh, Wall Street Journal bestsellers. Congratulations. Uh, You can buy all of them at Amazon or wherever they sell books. Perfect. All right. Well, Alex, thank you so much. Thank you, Andy. I sure appreciate being with you.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I am grateful for your support of this podcast. And I want to thank my guest, Alex Goldfain, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or every listener podcast. So, thank you for your help with that. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.